Doing good this morning. I'm excited about today and continuing this by design series that we've been in, talking about marriages. And um, but before we do that, I want to do something that is a little bit bittersweet. Um, I'm going to ask Cody and Christy Whittington if they would come out and join me. If you've been around here very long, you've gotten to know Cody and Christy somewhat, um, and probably familiar with their faces. And uh, this morning it's bittersweet because we're we're going to uh, see. Cody and Christy go actually to Montana um, to start a ministry there that God's called them to. They've got an awesome story that, that they can tell you about how God's brought this about in their lives. Um, and, and they'd love to share that with you if, if uh, you ever want to hear that story. But um, God has really been working in their lives and bringing them to a place of, um, where they're listening to God and doing what he says the way we've always talked about in church. And, and that's taking them to Montana to start a ministry. And the, the, that's, the, that's the bitter part. But the sweet part is that as a church, we get to send them off and we get to continue in a relationship with them and hear what God's doing in them and through them. And so this morning, um, before they leave out, they're headed out next week, um, before they head out, I wanted all of us to pray for them. And so right now, I want to pray for them. If you will, just join me in prayer and we're going to pray God's blessing over their lives and over their trip. Father, I thank you so much for Cody and I thank you for Christy. I thank you for their lives. I thank you for who they are. I thank you for their family with Maggie and Cove. And God, I thank you that you've done such a great work in them. And God, because you've done a great work in them, God, I know you're going to do a great work through them. And so God, we look forward to seeing the fruit of this ministry that they're going to begin. God, we pray that their eyes will be fixed on you, the author and perfecter of their faith. I pray that they would run with their eyes um, fastened on their Savior. And God, that they wouldn't walk in their own strength, but they would walk in the strength of the Holy Spirit. They'd always remember that their joy comes from Jesus, not from anything else. God, we pray that you'll go with them, before them, and lead them, and guide them. God, give them every step they need to take and give them the courage to take that next step. God, we thank you for the work that they've done here, the lives they've touched here. And God, the, the work that they've done, I'm thankful that it'll continue on. God, that they've made ripples into this church and into eternity that'll last forever. And God, we thank you for them again, just for who they are, Lord. And God, we thank you for who you are, and we thank you for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. God. Bless you. Right. Give them one more hand as they go. We are definitely going to miss Cody and Christy. They've been a huge part of the ministry for the last several years. And, um, but I am truly excited to see what God's going to do uh, through them in Montana. Um, they're going into an area that has, is really um, not reached by the, with the gospel. There's a lot of people where they're going that don't know the gospel. They've never really been taught the gospel. They've never heard the good news of Jesus. Um, and, and this area that they're going to is just not as common as it is in the South. And so we're going to be praying for them and believing that God's going to do an awesome work through them up there. Um, but I'm glad to be back with you. We're going to continue this series actually beginning in the beginning um, in Genesis chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If not, it'll be on the screen. And uh, if you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you a Bible. And we'll do that at the Next Steps table when you leave if you'd like to get one. Um, we want everybody to have a Bible that, that wants one. And so um, those are available there if you'd like to get one. Let's read Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 and 28. And then we'll pray and get into this message. It says in verse 27, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. 
Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you, God, that it is powerful, it is active, it is living. God, it speaks to our hearts. I pray, God, that you would speak to our heart now through it. God, I pray that it would find good soil and, God, that that good seed would produce fruit in our lives. God, I pray that you would um, give us strength and courage in our marriages and in all of our relationships, God, that we would have godly marriages that honor you and show other people um, who you are as, through the way we live our lives together. And so, Father, we just ask you to come and move in a mighty way. Holy Spirit, have your way here now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, when I was in high school, um, I played football, and that was one of the sports that I participated in. And the thing that happened to me um, too many times, actually, in football was that I got a concussion. I don't know if you've ever had a concussion or not, but it's a really weird thing because you kind of forget who you are and you forget why you're doing what you were doing and you kind of don't know anything. You just sort of forget everything. And so this happened to me a couple of times in high school. Uh, one time I had a concussion and my mother came and picked me up from uh, the, the school and she went home and she'd gone into her bedroom and was talking to someone on the phone. This was before you could walk around with your phones. We actually had cords on the phone. And so she was in the bedroom talking to somebody on the telephone and uh, she heard the vacuum cleaner come on. And so she was like, what in the world? Why does Brandon have the vacuum cleaner on? And so she came in there and she walked in and I was vacuuming the living room. And, and that's not that funny, but the funniest part about it was I was vacuuming the living room naked, right? I didn't have a stitch of clothes on. Why I decided that was a good idea, I don't know, but I was vacuuming the, the living room naked. Um, another time I had a concussion, they put me in the shower there at the football field um, to, to cool me off and try to get, get my, my body temperature down. And the trainer said that when he walked around the corner to check on me, I was standing in the shower and had one sock on. And so you do kind of crazy things when you have a concussion. You don't really realize what you're doing and, and you kind of forget who you are and you forget a lot of times even, or really you forget what you were there for, what you were doing. And I was thinking about that, how that's very much how we often live our lives is that we forget who we are. And we even, one of the biggest questions that people ask is, who am I? And then the second question that people ask is, why am I here? And I think that that's something that we've lost uh, sight of a lot. We've, we've uh, not really walked in very well as Christians and believers um, many times our identity in Christ or who we are in Christ. And we've forgotten who we are. We've forgotten who we are in Christ. We've forgotten why we're here. We, we don't understand our purpose here. And, and it has effects on everything, including our relationships and especially our relationship with our spouse. I want you to see that out of those first two verses that I read, that, that that's not the way it began, though. In the beginning, man was in a perfect relationship with God. And those two questions of who am I and why am I here were answered in those two verses. And with their relationship with God, they had the image bearer, the one that they were made to be like, was so connected to them that they had a clear identity in him. They knew who they were in him. The problem, though, is we know later that sin entered and broke that relationship between man and God. And so they no longer had this relationship with the image bearer. When they were connected to God, they knew their purpose. They knew that it was to be fruitful and multiply, to fill the earth. In other words, to fill the earth with God's glory. And so he, he was basically gave them very clear commands on who they were and who they, what they were supposed to be doing. And so I want you to see that first. I want you to also notice that Adam wasn't Eve's enemy and Eve wasn't Adam's enemy. When we look in the garden, you turn to chapter three, 
We see this very clearly in chapter 3 that the enemy was a common enemy to both of them. And that was Satan himself, the serpent. And, and so we see that it was Satan coming against them. It wasn't Eve and it wasn't Adam. So many times in our marriages, we look at our, our spouse as the enemy, the one that we're warring against. And what we need to realize is that we're, we're, our enemy is really Satan. It's really his work in our lives that we're fighting against. It's something that even if we're Christian, um, our, the spirit of God in us wars against Satan and, and what he wants to do in our lives. And I want you to understand that Satan doesn't want to come and make your marriage difficult. Satan wants to come and destroy it completely. The th good thing for us is we have a God who's overcome him. And we can too if we're following in his footsteps. But the first thing you see in this is that Adam and Eve were together. Things were good. Um, they, they knew why they existed. They understood why they were there. And then we get into chapter 3. If you read chapter 3, you know this, that, that Adam and Eve sin. Um, Eve eats the apple. Um, she gives it to her husband to eat, and he eats it too, um, which you got to give men a little bit of a break here. If my wife were naked and offered me fruit, I'd probably eat it too. So, I mean, I'm just saying that's probably what happened. And so when you look at that, um, we got to give him a little bit of a break on eating that apple or, or whatever it was that he ate. And so um, we, we see that, though, that when they ate that, they were separated from God. And we, we know this from verses uh, 21 through 24. It says this in Genesis 3, 21 and 24. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And so we see God's mercy and his grace as he clothed them in their nakedness. And then it says, and the Lord God said, the man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So God was not going to let us live in this sinful state. He didn't want us to stay that way. And so it says, so the Lord God banished him from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the garden of Eden cherubim. And a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. So what we see there is that, that God drives them away. This sin has now separated them from God. It separated them from the image bearer, right? And so they no longer have this clear identity of who they are that God's given them. And then you look at it and their, their purpose has been lost. It's been changed. And so it's different now. Um, that's why I believe this is that everybody at some point in time wonders a little bit about why am I here on earth? What is this about? And we only find that in God. We find that in Christ. But you see now that they've got a broken image, a broken identity because they're separated from the image bearer. They're separated from the one who told them who they were. And their identity is no longer defined by God, but their identity begins to be defined by sin. And so they, they see themselves differently now, just like we see ourselves many times. And this is why guilt and shame and condemnation have entered the picture is because when sin came, so did the guilt, so did the shame, so did the condemnation. And so this is why we walk in this. It's why we are broken people. And this is the thing I would tell you all is that each one of us are broken. There's not one person in here who doesn't have something broken about them because we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. Um, at church, we oftentimes try to act like we don't have issues. The reality is everybody in here has an issue or multiple issues, right? And, and so no one in here is above this. Now, I wanted to bring this, these pots here this morning and, and demonstrate something to you because I feel like this is kind of what our lives look like. In many ways, this is us broken in all kinds of pieces, 
in all kinds of ways. This is how our lives oftentimes look and feel, is it not? Broken, broken into pieces. And, and I want you to see that all of us are that way. And so we wonder many times, who am I? I'm broken. Does that define who I am? And the reality is that that doesn't define a, belie a believer. A believer in Christ is defined by Christ. We draw our value and worth through Christ. So even though we may be broken, the good news of the gospel is that God sees us as whole. And God, what God says about us is our identity, is who we are. But Satan doesn't want us to realize our identity in Christ. He wants us to stay in a broken mess. He doesn't want us to be being healed in, of, in, of our sin and of our brokenness. He wants us to stay in this mess. So he accuses us in many ways. In Romans chapter, uh, Revelation chapter 12, um, the Bible tells us that he is the accuser of the brethren. It calls Satan an accuser. And he accuses us in three ways. One, he accuses us before God. The good news for those who are in Christ is this, that Jesus sits at the right hand of God and makes intercession. So as he's accusing, Jesus is interceding and intercepting. And so God sees us, the Father sees us as the righteousness of Christ. He also accuses us in our own self-reflection. It's why many of us struggle with condemnation and, 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 and feelings of guilt and shame is because we're accused by those things. Satan comes and he was, is often quick to remind us of our failures, of our flaws, of the things that we don't do right, of, of our shortcomings. And so our self-reflection accuses us. And then the last one, the way he accuses us is through the words of other people. And, and here's where I know we can find some common ground is each one of us have experienced some type of hurt or some type of wound that came from something that someone said, whether it was in your childhood and you still remember it all these years later, or whether it was something that, that just happened last week. We can all identify with people who have, have, have hurt us with their words. And we always said, said as children that sticks and stones may break my bones and words will never hurt me. But that's actually a lie because words have a lot of power. In, in our lives and they have the ability to affect us deeply and to affect us in every area of our life because that sin and, and that the, the words that they say are able to come in and get a hold of us and begin to, to take us and shake us and make us not see ourselves the way that God sees us. So, so far, this is what we've talked about. God has, had, has made humanity in the beginning. Humanity was good and, and it was perfect. And we had a clear identity. We had a clear purpose. Now that sin has come, this identity has been broken. Our purpose has been clouded. And so we have to now ask the question many times, why am I here? Why, why do I exist? And who am I? And God answers those questions for us in Christ. But what begins to happen in marriage and, and in any relationship, this applies to any relationship, is that those things are true. We are broken people, as you see here. But we bring that brokenness into our marriage. We bring it with us, right? When you got married, you brought your brokenness and your baggage, and then she or he brought his brokenness or her brokenness and baggage, right, and put them together. So it's like this. We take both of these piles... And we put them together because now we've got two broken people and God says, go live happily ever after, right? And so it's this, you think that somehow marriage is going to solve this problem, but only really what it does is it just makes a bigger mess, right? And so we struggle with that because two broken people coming together, it doesn't solve the problem. It actually magnifies the problem even more. 
And so I want you to be able to see that, to see that we're all broken in many ways because sin has affected us all. Even if we're in Christ, we're still fighting against this. We're, the sinful nature is warring against uh, the Holy Spirit who lives in us. And so there's, there's this fight that goes on inside of us. The good news today, and I want you to hear this, is that God wants to heal our brokenness. Satan, he doesn't want to come and hinder your marriage. He wants to destroy it. But God wants to come and heal it. God wants to heal you. He wants to heal your brokenness. He wants to help you become whole. And that's the way he wants to work in our lives. I want to talk just a second about what it looks like, this brokenness. What does it practically look like in our lives? Because we bring this brokenness into our marriages and into our relationships. One of the things it looks like many times is a feeling of inadequacy. That our past failure has caused us to see ourselves as not good enough. And so there's this feeling of inadequacy. I'm not good enough. I don't, you know, I don't um, live my life good enough. I'm not a good enough father. I'm not a good enough husband. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. And it just becomes the way we see our lives. And it can take the form of insecurities. And oftentimes those insecurities can lead us to living in a place of pride because we want our pride to hide our insecurities. And so this feeling of inadequacy is one of the things we oftentimes bring to our marriage. It can be a feeling of inadequacy in sexually. It can be physically. It can be intellectually. It could be anything in your life that you bring when you come into marriage that, that makes you feel inadequate. And if we're honest, listen, if we're honest, it's our own feelings of inadequacy that oftentimes make us withdraw from our spouse or make us lash out at our spouse. Many times we blame it on our spouse, but the real problem comes from the inside of us because we feel inadequate. We feel like we're not good enough. Another way that this looks practically is in feelings of condemnation or past sin. And if we're honest, it's a feeling of unworthiness that causes us to bring other people down. When we see this, it's one reason that people tear other people down is to try to build themselves up. If I can make them look bad or worse than me, then I can be okay. I can feel okay about myself. But really and truthfully, it's our own feelings of unworthiness that cause us oftentimes to, to lash out, to, to be um, to, to not live our lives the way we should live them with our spouse. Another one is bitterness and unforgiveness, or something that comes from past hurts. And when we look at this one, we see that when we're damaged in this way, when we have wounds that have come from other relationships or even the relationship that we're currently in, when we're damaged in this way where we're holding on to bitterness and unforgiveness, what begins to happen is we begin to change, it begins to change the way we see and think about people. And so there's this bitterness and unforgiveness that lives inside of us. We won't let things go, and it causes us again to withdraw or maybe to lash out. And if we're honest, it's unresolved issues that cause issues in your relationships now. It's wounds that have never been dealt with that cause you to wound other people. You've probably heard the statement that hurt people hurt people, and that many times is true, that when we're hurting, we oftentimes will hurt someone else. I talked about bitterness and unforgiveness a few weeks ago um, a lot, talked about it a lot. Today, I just want to remind you of this, that if you're holding on to unforgiveness, you're holding on to bitterness, you've got to make a choice to forgive. doesn't mean you have to forget. 
It doesn't mean you have to think it was fair what was done to you. But I'm telling you, you've got to make a choice to forgive for your wholeness, not for their um, ability to get away free, right? We feel like if we forgive them, we're somehow letting them off the hook. It's not that way. It's basically you letting yourself off the hook. It's you being able to become whole because you've forgiven what's been done to you. And so we have to really move past this bitterness and unforgiveness and, and realize that God wants us to be free in that area. The last one is our sin nature. It, it practically brokenness looks like us, our sin nature. And, and that can be selfishness. It's when we live selfishly um, for ourselves and, and, and not living for others and serving others. Um, it's when uh, our lust takes over our lives, lust for someone or lust uh, that, that, uh, for something. It's when we have anger that comes up and that is, it, sheer, it shows its ugly head many times. It's when we have an addiction that our sinful nature has been drawn to and, and we have a hard time breaking that. And so when we see this, it practically looks like that sin nature. You can put almost anything under the umbrella of our sin nature. Anything that goes against what God wants for us is part of our sin nature. Anything against God's will. And I want you to see that this, these feelings of inadequacy, these feelings of condemnation, these feelings of bitterness and unforgiveness, and the sin nature, all of these hinder our relationships with God and our relationships with others, especially our spouse. And here's what happens. We've got all this brokenness in our lives. And then we get married, right? And we create this bigger mess of brokenness. And the thing that happens pretty quickly is you begin to recognize your spouse's brokenness, right? You begin to see where they're weak. You begin to see things that didn't bother you, that now they bother you. Those things that you used to think were cute now are annoying, right? I know um, I've talked about this before, but my wife eating ice in the car. Before we got married, it was like, man, she loves to eat that ice. And I'm like, would she please quit eating the ice and crunching on the ice, getting on my nerves? And, you know, and then for me, it's like uh, midnight snacks and leaving wrappers all over the house. And, you know, you wake up midnight, you're kind of hungry. So you go get the cheese Whiz and some Ritz crackers and you go to town, right? And, and then make a mess and she finds it in the morning. And, and so little things begin to get on your nerves, but you begin to see each other's brokenness and you begin to see um, the flaws and weaknesses that they have. And I want you to realize that when we get to this part, when we get to this point, we have a choice. We actually have two choices. One, we can leverage the power of their brokenness against them. In other words, use, their, use words to, to poke the wounds. Use words to poke their brokenness. Or we can come to a place where we leverage the power of our words against the wounds and brokenness that we see in their lives. There's really only two options. We will do one or the other. We're either going to leverage the power of their brokenness against them, using that against them, or we're going to leverage the power of our words against the wounds and brokenness in their life. Now, I want you to understand this. I want you to hear this clearly. This is an incredible power that God has given us. It's something to be stewarded. It's something to take responsibility for. It's something to realize in any relationship that he's given us the ability to build up or tear down with the things that we say, whether it is is husband to wife, wife to husband, parents to children, or just friends. We have this crazy ability to build people up or to tear them down with the things that we say. And when we see that, we realize there's a great responsibility that comes with that. 
But especially within the marriage covenant, within marriage, there's, there's an intimacy that exists like no other um, relationship that you have. And so you have this, this ability, this power in your marriage to truly tear them down or to use your words to build them up. God has given us the ability. He wants to heal them. He wants them to be whole. And he's given us responsibility as a husband or responsibility as a wife to help build them up, to be a part of the healing process. And so we got to see that God gave us a spouse to help us become more whole and holy, not become more broken. He wants us to be used in our spouse's lives to bring healing be able to heal the brokenness in their lives. And he's given us this power, this great power to be able to build up or tear down. And I want you to see this out of the book of Psalms. If you look at Psalm 18, 21, it's very clear what God is trying to tell us. It says, the tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruit. What's he saying? He's saying, listen, the things you speak, especially the things you speak into other people's lives and the way you talk to other people, it has the power to give life and has the power to give death. And so we've got to realize the power of our words, especially in the marriage covenant within marriage. Then if you look at verse or chapter 15, chapter 15, verse 4, It says, the soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. Have you ever been talking to somebody or said something to somebody you realize you shouldn't have said it and you can just watch their whole countenance and their whole spirit just like withers, right? And words have the ability to crush someone's spirit. It also has the ability to lift someone's spirit. Proverbs 12, 18 says this, the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. That's powerful. When we realize how much power our words have, how we speak to people, how we speak to our spouse, to our husband, to our wife, how we speak to people has incredible power in their life to bring life, to bring death, to bring healing, to crush a spirit. We got to see the power that's there. And I hope today that one of the things that you will take away from this is that even though I'm broken, I have Christ in my life. If you're a Christian, He's given me a new heart through the Holy Spirit. And I can speak differently than than just what my, my sinful nature wants me to speak. I want you to be able to take away the power of your words and the power of Jesus to transform our hearts and transform those words. And I want to finish with this, asking this question of why can't I build my spouse up? Why can't I see them healed through my words? And I want to talk to you real briefly just about that. The first reason is that many times we take them for granted. And I know I was guilty of this early in my marriage, especially I'm still guilty of this sometimes today where I don't appreciate my wife. I don't appreciate Susan the way I should. And to be honest, it's because we come into marriage with a sense of entitlement that that I'm I'm to be served. They're there to make me happy, right? They're they're supposed to do these things. And when when they do those things, we just expect them to be done. And we oftentimes take them for granted. Like I said, I did this a lot with Susan. And, and we come into this marriage with this entitlement. It's almost like coming to a fast food drive through where we want it the way we want it. We want it now, and we don't want it to cost much of anything. That's kind of how we approach marriage. We want whatever it is we want. We want it now, and we don't want it to cost us anything. That's not how God designed it. It's not what God put us here for. So oftentimes, we take our spouse for granted. I would encourage you today 
to step back and look at your spouse and the things that, why did you marry them, right? And then look at the things that they still do in your life and who they are. And I know for some of you, you're in a spot that you can't really see that. And God, God can heal that and God can make you whole in that also. But for many of us, we need to take a step back and look at our spouse, our wife, or our husband and the good things that God has gifted them with and the way they've served us in our lives and really appreciate them for who they are. Because I'm telling you guys and girls, I'm telling you, time goes quickly. Time goes quickly. And if we don't, we don't take advantage of the time we've been given to build up and not to tear down, to not take for granted, to not live entitled, but to serve, it goes very quickly. The second thing or second reason that I can't build my spouse up is unreal expectations, unreal expectations that lead to disappointment. Listen, our spouse is going to disappoint us at some point in time. It's just going to happen. It's just because we're different people. Just in general, men and women are just different people, not one better than the other, but very different. Like, guys, she's probably only going to want to go to Bass Pro Shops so many times, right? Just the way she's wired, man. I know there's some, you're like, my wife wants to go all the time. Then you're lucky. I mean, I don't know how to put it other than that. But, but the, the thing that I would tell you, she's only going to go so many times. Listen, wives, your husband's probably not going to cuddle on the couch and cry at Hallmark movies very often. He will some, and maybe he should because he's, he's, uh, he's doing it for you. But if that becomes a habit, you need to get him to our office so we can talk to him about Hallmark movies and crying at Hallmark movies because we all know anyway, they all end the same way. <laughs> and so Susan watches these things, and I walk in, and she's all teared up and crying and, and boo-hooing, and I'm like, it's the same story. Lonely girl moves to a town, Right? She doesn't, she's out of, coming out of a bad relationship. Some guy that, you know, is the mailman just happens to have washboard abs. And somehow, you know, she figures this out. And then a friend gets them connected. And then somehow there's, there's all of this, these obstacles that are, that are moved out of the way. And they come together and they live happily ever after. Is that not every Hallmark movie that you've ever seen? And, and it's like they don't ever have ugly people that play those parts. It's always perfect people. It's, it's, I don't mean to damage your Hallmark movie watching, but it's kind of not reality, right? Um, but anyway, it's unreal expectations that lead to disappointment. And there'll be times that he lets you down. Um, there'll be times she lets you down. And, and here's the thing. In this moment, when, when we're let down, when we're disappointed, the thing that we have to do is we have to remember the grace that Jesus has offered us and then offer them the same grace, the unconditional love, the unconditional favor that he's given us. The Bible tells us clearly to forgive as Jesus has forgiven us. We're not divine. We're not like Christ. We're not perfect. But the model and the goal for our forgiveness should be to forgive the way Jesus has forgiven us. Another way that, or another reason that we can't build up our spouse is that many times we're not okay with ourselves. We're not okay with ourselves. I'm not okay with me. So it becomes almost impossible for me to then um, treat someone else the way they deserve to be treated because I don't see myself in a very good light. In, in fact, everything I hear, then, then it becomes an attack on who I am. Um, and you really take this posture of defensiveness, right? So that if your spouse makes a comment that sounds in any way like a criticism, you blow up 
because you hear it as an attack on your value and worth. And so oftentimes we are not okay with us. So we take this defensive posture. We want to, we, we want to make sure that we're okay. And many times it's where we just see ourselves um, as torn down. So we want to tear down others. I want to encourage you that that's not the way God sees you if you're in Christ. God sees you as his child. God sees you um, as whole and righteous because of what Jesus has done for us. And, and listen, you're not righteous and perfect in and of yourself, but because of what Jesus has done for us, you've been given righteousness and perfection. Now we're growing into it. That's what God wants us to do now is through the power of the Holy Spirit to grow into what he's already given us. So the righteousness we already have, we grow into that righteousness. But it's hard to begin to, to do what God wants you to do until you believe you are who God created you to be. And that, there's a huge, um, that's huge that goes along with that, that we have to come to a place of seeing ourselves the way God sees us. Not allowing experience to dictate who we are or how we see ourselves, but allowing God's truth to dictate who we are and how we see ourselves. And that is a big thing. If we're going to love others, we've got to be receiving love. If we're going to help others grow into the image of Christ, we've got to be growing ourselves. And the love that you give, it's got to be a love that flows from the love that you're receiving from God. And the love of Jesus is really the catalyst for loving other people. It's hard to love people the way or impossible to love people the way God loves them unless God's working in us. The last reason why we have a difficult time, a struggle building up our spouse is that it's our relationship with God. And to put it very frankly that you're not saved, right? You don't know Christ. You don't have a relationship with Christ. And this can be one of the reasons we have a tough time building someone up. And here's the reason I say that is that our lives can still be dominated by the sinful nature and the selfish nature that we were born with. And, and what I would encourage you to do is step back and look at it and say, has God ever worked in me in such a way that he changed my heart so that I began to live and see things in a different light? So many times we go through life and we never really ask that question. We just attend church and we think that church attendance saves us when it's, it's coming to faith in Christ that saves us. And so I would challenge you today to look at that and ask you about your relationship with God is one, do I have a relationship with God? And two, Am I pursuing him in this relationship? Because we've got to come to a place where we're pursuing him and from the overflow of our relationship with God, it flows into our marriage. And so there's an opportunity for us to look at ourselves and to see. And I want you to understand this, that ultimately this whole deal, everything that we have talked about, all of the, all of the things that we say ultimately come back to one issue. And that issue is our heart. And so the only way our heart is changed and, and changed to be like God is when we come to faith in Christ. God gives us his spirit and his spirit works in our heart and our heart is transformed. And then the way we see things is transformed. The way we begin to live is transformed and the way we begin to speak is transformed. Because listen to Matthew 12, verse 33. He says, make a, good, a tree good and its fruit will be good or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit you brood of vipers, he's speaking to the Pharisees and the, 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 the law people, these people who are so into uh, the, the law and, and rules. He says, you brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? 
And listen to this. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted. And by your words you will be condemned. And so I want you to see that the things that we say, what comes out of our mouth, it's really a heart issue. It's an issue of our heart. And I would ask you today, has your heart been transformed by Christ? Not are you perfect, but was there a point in time in your life when you gave your life to Christ and everything seemed to change? You began to have new life in you. You began to see the world in a different way. Because see, listen, a relationship with Jesus should should begin to build life in us and in our relationships and in our marriage. And, And my question is this, has that happened inside your heart, inside of you, the deepest part of your being? Has God transformed your heart? Again, none of us are perfect with this, but my question is, has that happened for you? And it's not the only reason that people have marriage problems. There's a lot of reasons, but I'm telling you, I feel like this is the common solution, is drawing closer to Jesus and pursuing him with everything that we have. And so it comes down to a heart issue. And I wanna close today just by saying this, if you are in a place where you don't have a relationship with Christ, you're not looking to God for how the relationship with your spouse is designed, then I would, I would encourage you to step back and, and ask the question, why is that? Why am I not, why, why, why is our marriage not going according to God's design? And listen, you don't have to walk through that by yourself. You can have other people who will walk through it with you. Our church, we would love to walk through it with you and help you. But I want you to be able to look at the way God designed the marriage. And let's live after that pattern. Again, it's two imperfect people coming together. It's not gonna be perfect, but we can be striving for what God wants us to have. There's not a perfect husband, there's not a perfect wife, but there is a perfect savior who works to transform our lives, who works to transform our hearts, who gives us the opportunity to to change, to be different and to see things change around us. And so today I wanna pray, but before I pray, I wanna ask you this. If you've never experienced a relationship with Christ and you've never had a heart change that God has done in your life where all you can say is I was made new. That's what the Bible teaches us, that I was made new. Then I wanna give you that opportunity. I wanna give you that opportunity to say yes to a relationship with Jesus. I believe for many of us getting our marriage right, this is the first step. And so I wanna encourage you, if you haven't done this, to take this step, to do what God's put in front of you. If God's knocking on the door of your heart, then open the door and say yes to him. And so if you're here and you haven't had that, you don't have that relationship with Christ, just know you want one and God's drawing you to him. You know he's knocking on the door of your heart this morning. I wanna ask you to raise your hand and say, that's me, I need a relationship with Christ. I know my sin has separated me from God and Jesus is reconciling me to God. That's what happens in this relationship. Anybody here today that you say that's where you're at?
mind, um, Les is going to pray with you if you don't mind and help you take some next steps. And we want to walk this out with you. Thank you. Anybody else today, you'd say, I just, I need a relationship with Christ. I don't have it. I need it. I want it. Okay. And what I want to do now is I want to give you an opportunity to respond to the message. I want to give you an opportunity to maybe lay some things down before Christ. I'm going to ask our prayer team if they would get up and come over here to my left, to your right, and they're going to be standing by this door over here. And here's my, my challenge to you is, listen, if there's something in your life that you need to pray, somebody to pray with you about, don't sit there. In just a moment, I want you to get up and I want you to move. I want you to go and let somebody pray with you. I know there's some serious stuff going on in relationships and a lot of marriages in this church. And my plea and my heart is that you let us walk through that with you. And so I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna ask you that you would move and allow these folks to pray with you, um, to allow us to begin to help walk through some stuff with you. And that's what we're here to do. You know, ministry is messy. It gets messy sometimes. Life gets messy. But we'll get in the trenches with you if you'll allow us. And so I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask you to move and allow somebody to pray for you. God, thank you so much for who you are. God, I thank you for what you do. I thank you for the life you've given us. I thank you, God, that you um, call us to yourself. Lord, I pray that you would move in people's hearts this morning, that they would be willing to get up and push through their, the uncomfortableness or the awkwardness of going to get prayer. But they take that first step, God, with you. And Lord, I pray that, that we'd be faithful to walk with them. And God, that you would do a miracle in their lives, a miracle in their hearts. God, I pray that you would just continue to work. God, I pray this week that we would go out into this community and share your word through our testimony, through the way that we live and through the words of our mouth. God, transform our hearts to be more like yours so that the things that come from us out of our mouth would be whole and be able to make other people whole. God, I love you and thank you that you love us and that you made a way for us to come to you. Thank you for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Listen, God.